Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. My wife and I have uh, adopted three times, and when people hear about adoption, they may think that's the easier route rather than having to carry a child for nine months, and I'm not going to compare the two, but uh, the process of adopting can be brutally long and uh, grueling. In 2008, the Lord stirred us up to adopt our first child, and it's not like you go and pick children. That's not the way it works. You have to go through a process, massive amount of paperwork, massive amount of meetings, training, finances, and we were going through this process, and we got rejected by our first agency who said that we were unfit parents. Tell us something we don't already know. I mean, anyway, so they, they rejected us, and then we moved on to another agency. They got us going through the process, and then came that, that day after a super long time of going through so many problems where you get your uh, referral picture of the child the agency is matching you with. And, and this is the picture we got. And so that was the very first time we saw our daughter, Mary. And we, uh, you just don't say, okay, come get her. It doesn't work like that. So we got on a plane after super more long time. And we flew to Ethiopia. And we were going through the process. And we went to uh, adoption court. And it didn't work. <laughs> Flew back, and we found out, oh, we're, it did work now. And so they made it work, and, and then it was time to fly, fly back again to uh, get her, and that took a lot of time and immigration and visas, and it's crazy, crazy, crazy. But praise God, it finally worked, and now she is a beautiful 12-year-old girl we have a lot of fun with. The reason why I'm telling you that story is that God has set his affections on you, but it's not because you're cute. You realize that? God pursued you while you were still a sinner. Christ died for you while you were still a sinner. And by his grace, he, in his elective love, however you want to call it, stirred you up. And by, by grace and through faith, you believed, you were justified, uh, you redeemed. Uh, he chose you. And the Bible says you have been adopted. You, yes, you have been adopted into his family with all the rights of a child of God. And I would say this theology and doctrine of adoption is probably one of the most important ones in the entire Bible because it's by this doctrine that we call God Father. This can be some good stuff today, so let's go ahead and turn to Romans 8. Let's look at Romans 8 and explore this adoption, this, 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 this wonderful brought into the family of God. Now, for those of you who have not been with us, 
We're in the context of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit indwells believers, gives them freedom from condemnation and controlling effects of sin through the gospel of Jesus. And in believers, what do we do? We cooperate with the Holy Spirit, and we see today that he's made us an adopted child of God. And this is kind of what the idea I want you to get into your head, is that you are an adopted child of God with a glorious future. You are an adopted child of God with a glorious future. So we're going to talk about a little bit what does it mean for you that you're adopted, your identity, and then we're going to talk about your future. What does that mean, this Christian hope of a glorious future? This is going to be so good. Let's do this. Romans 8, 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. This is not a mystical leading of the Holy Spirit in making big decisions about what job to take or who to marry or where to move. This is, this is the context here is that the Holy Spirit is leading us to a life of holiness. Remember last week from uh, verse 13, we talked about put to death the deeds of the body, right? So that you may walk a life of holiness. So that in spirit, Holy Spirit, he lives in you, enables you to kill sin and leads you into a life of obedience and holiness. Now notice once again in verse 14, it says, those who are led this way are called sons of God. Now don't be tripped up by this sonship language. You may think, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a girl, you know, how does that fit in with me? Well, in the Old Testament, Israel is described as the son or sons of God. Jesus is called the Son of God, and all of us, all us men and women in union with Christ are sons as well. And this language of sonship, of being called a son, the people of God uh, collectively and as individuals, is very important, especially when it comes to your inheritance, which we will get to in a moment. Verse 15, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So the Christian is no longer a slave to sin, and we didn't receive this spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. We need not fear the wrath of God. We need not fear the condemnation of God. We need not fear being sent to hell forever because we cannot keep the law of God. Because we know as believers that Christ kept the law perfectly in our place, died on the cross bearing our sins, and everyone who comes to him through faith can be forgiven of their sins and declared perfectly righteous in Christ. And when we become a believer, we receive the Holy Spirit, and it's not a spirit of fear. We don't fear having to fall back under the law and keep the law to, to gain acceptance with God because Christ has already done that. So if you ever feel like, perhaps here this morning, you may think that God's going to say, you are abandoned, or I am against you, or you are condemned, you need to know that is not from the Spirit of God, because we have not received a spirit of fear, but we have received the Holy Spirit. And it tells us specifically here that the Holy Spirit affirms that we are an adopted son and child of God. And the Holy Spirit stirs us up, and inside of us we say, Abba, Abba Father. Now, Abba is an Aramaic word for father. 
just as Jesus called God his Father, so we can interact with him in this intimate way. We have this intimacy with God that we can say, Father, Abba, almost like a a daddy or dearest father, not in a flippant way, but we are dependent children on him, our Father. One of my kids asked me this week, they say, Dad, what was my first word that I ever said? Now, I have seven kids, and I have no idea. But I just make stuff up all the time. And I said, your first word was Abba. No, I didn't say that. No, no. That would be really good, wouldn't it? No, I said, your first word was Daddy. And I have no idea if that was their first word. But as a father, we like to think that our kids have that dependence upon us, and they see us, and they're like, Daddy. And you can think about our Heavenly Father. When we cry out to him, Abba, Father, that that intimate, close connection he has with us and what he must feel that, hey, he loves us, we love him. And there's this intimate connection. Now, do you know when someone is adopted into a family, there is this connection of taking on the last name. You know this, right? So it's like when we adopt our children, we say, okay, you are a Lancaster now. That's who you are. You're part of the family. You're accepted and loved. But get this. My first child uh, adopted Mary. We have this special close connection legally that is just between she and I. And this is no joke. This, because when you adopt internationally, or at least this is the way it was in Ethiopia, and they create a birth certificate, what they do on the birth certificate is they put the father's first name as the child's middle name. No joke. So legally on the birth certificate, it says Mary Jason Lancaster. That is that close connection that we have. Now, we didn't want her to grow up with a boy's middle name, so we had to switch it and change it when we got back to, that, to the States. But you see that close connection. And as believers, we have brothers and sisters in the Lord, but with our Father, there is this close connection that we are connected to him. He loves us. We love him. He's brought us into the family, intimacy with our Abba. Well, let's continue on. This is a connection that we have by the Spirit. Verse 16 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So if you're a believer, there is something inside of you by the, by the Holy Spirit that is stirred up that you are a child of God. Yes, this is something you experience. It's not a fear of condemnation. It's not a fear of abandonment. When you became a believer, the Holy Spirit has took up residence in you, and he, he gives you this affirmation and this experience that you are a child of God. The Holy Spirit living in you is not for super Christians. It's not for another experience where you have to keep going and visiting certain places. And maybe you'll get the, the fullness of the Spirit or you got to say, you know, give me your fullness and then you got to keep praying. And I want to tell you this. You have all the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to get. The issue is you don't need more of the Spirit, but the Spirit needs more of you. And when you get this, when you get this, you go, okay, it's more of this surrendering and and turning things over to the Father, turning things over. See, I I surrender, and there's this affirmation that you are a child of God. 
And if you're an adopted child of God, this is what's really cool. You have full rights, full rights of inheritance. Look at verse 17. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. We should really look at this verse. It's saying that we're called fellow heirs with Christ. So in union with Christ, we share this inheritance that Christ has gained for us in his life and death and resurrection. So there's a special inheritance that's coming our way. Now, I don't know about, about you, but I've not inherited much in my life. I don't, maybe some of you have. It, it just seems really exciting to be able to inherit something where, where really you're not really doing anything to inherit it, but basically existing uh, and recently, I, I remember in December, I got up at the Christmas concert and I talked about how my car was falling apart. You remember that little little thing there? And I thought, I oh, don't know, no, Lord, what are we going to do about a car? Well, just uh, recently, not too long ago, my wife inherited a car. I was like, praise God. Inherited a car from a relative in Nebraska. We had no idea. So God has made provision that way. And get this, I, th- I'm not making this up. It's the second car she has inherited from a relative in Nebraska. She got another one about eight years ago. It's crazy. So the first car we inherited uh, in Nebraska was an Oldsmobile. Yes, it was awesome. The second car was a Buick. Good old American cars, right? So anytime we start to have car problems, relatives in Nebraska get nervous, you know. (laughs) See what I'm saying? But there's this excitement, and I'm, I'm just going I'm, I'm so excited, like, I can't believe we're getting a car. So this inheritance, if you ever receive one, it's like, this is exciting. You're, you're getting something. What a blessing. That's the way you're supposed to feel in Christ, that you're getting this inheritance. You're like, you're like well, what am I getting? Well, get this, get this. When you're with the Lord forever, you're going to be free from the presence of sin. You're not going to have any more tears, no more mourning, and you're going to gain all the inheritance and rights of an adopted child of God. But here is the greatest part of your inheritance. It says that we're heirs of God. We will inherit God himself. (laughs) That's the joy right there. We get God If fullness, that's our inheritance. We're heirs of God, and we're we're adopted children with full rights to the inheritance. And we can say, yes, praise God. We believe it. Let's go. But there is something that trips us up as we think about being adopted children of God and inheriting all that we have in Christ, and it's this. Pain, suffering. Did you notice the end of verse 17? It says, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. And we know that in here, everyone is either in suffering, coming out of suffering, or about to go into suffering. And when we're dealing with suffering, we sometimes get tripped up and we think, am I really a child of God? Because if I really was a child of God, would I be dealing with this? And we start to question, really? Is this, is this all going to happen? Are we really going to get this inherit? Really? 
And that's why we have to root ourselves in the second portion of this text of our future glory, our Christian hope. Let's look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is revealed to us. Hmm, but we've really got to camp here for a second. So Paul is so assured of the future glory and the inheritance that the suffering doesn't even enter into the realm of comparison. We are to see our suffering now as a, as a blip on the screen. He says something similar. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 says, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So what we're dealing with here in pain, it doesn't even compare to the glory we're going to get. And these verses will mean so much to you when you are in the depth of suffering. Many years ago when my grandmother, I was taking care of her, she was doing some rehab at a nursing home in Dallas called Doctors Healthcare Center. Perhaps you know of that. Well, I would go and visit, some of the, visit her and visit some of the residents. And there was this one lady there. My wife remembers this lady. Her name was uh, Mrs. O'Neill. She could barely move. Like every part of her touch was just constant pain. She, and she couldn't walk. She couldn't get around. And she had to be lifted certain places. And so I went in to see her uh, one time, and I was going to bring her this verse this, this verse that for this light momentary infliction is preparing for us. And I was going to give her this verse, and so she was asleep. And so I had, it, I had it printed really big on a sheet of paper, and she's sleeping. I'm like, How I? I can't lay it next to her because she can't reach it. So I just stuck it on her. Pretty pastoral, stuck it on her. And so when she woke up, that's what she saw. And when we are in pain and suffering, we need to know there's something else coming where that it doesn't even compare to the suffering now. It's called glory. We're going to be with him forever. We need to remind ourselves of that. And here's, here's where it gets difficult. Because I, I think in physical pain and suffering, you can continually remind yourself of that. But when you're in relational difficulties with someone else or a few people or whatever, it, it's hard to remind yourself that this relational issue right here is just a blip compared to what I'm going to get in glory because the relational thing seems to be all the time on your face. There was this woman who went to go see a pastor, and she was telling the pastor all about her problems in marriage. And he said, well, well the good news is that you only have to do this 40 more years. I mean, theologically, yes, it's, it's, it's small compared to eternity, but, but I don't find that helpful. And, and I think the, the more pastoral thing to say to you, especially those of you in a relationship difficulties, you don't have to do this 40 more years. You just have to do this for today. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, but today. And so for those of you who say, well, I can't continue on for another 10, 20. Hey, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, but you can continue on today. You can trust the Lord for today. And today you can remind yourself there is an eternal weight of glory that can't even compare what you're dealing with today. And by his grace, you can hold on today as he is holding on to you. One day at a time, do not worry about tomorrow. He continues on. Let's look at verse 
19 through 21. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So the creation is like a figure uh, or a personification. And the imagery here is of creation longing for us to be free from the presence of sin with the Lord forever because this is not only our hope, this is the creation hope. You realize this? Because due to the fall of Adam and Eve into sin, the creation became cursed by God. Thorns and thistles now dominate instead of flourishing. And it says at that time, and at this time now, creation is subjected to fertility, which means that creation itself is not hitting its fulfillment in God and as he attended, but creation is corrupted and decays. It's hard for you to see this when you live in such a beautiful place. Um, But if you ever turn on the news, many will claim that we are ruining our environment and, and destroying our creation through modern practices, but they have no idea how much we even ruin the environment. They have no idea that how corrupted the environment is once Adam and Eve sinned. Someone has called Adam and Eve the first polluters of this earth when they sinned. And no amount of recycling or biking to work or clean fuel can fix the underlying damage done to creation through the entrance of sin. And I'll tell you this, we can care for creation, but we cannot fix it. We cannot fix it. There is going to be a time that will come where we are going to be glorified and the creation is going to be transformed into a new heaven and a new earth, but not now. Right now, the creation is groaning and we look forward to this future glory and creation does as well. He includes us, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. (laughs) So these labor pains are leading up to a full-term delivery of a new heavens and a new earth. And not only is the creation groaning as a woman in labor, but we as well, verse 23. And not only this, but we are also, we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Now, let me put, put a stop to you there. You're going, wait, 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 wait. Are we adopted or, or are we not adopted? Yes, we are adopted, but there is this finalization of your adoption that is coming. And the finalization of your adoption will come at the redemption of your body. A um, little, little, little lesson right here. Okay. When you die... For starters, when you die, you don't become an angel, all right? I'm sorry. You're not going to be an angel. You're going to be much better than an angel, all right? So your body will remain here on this earth. Your soul will go, will be with the Lord. And when Jesus comes back, right, when he comes to establish 
his kingdom, so your, 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 your soul and your body will be joined together in the great resurrection, and that will be, you know, your glorious body forever and ever. And this is what we call the finalization of your adoption. Now, when you finalize an adoption, it's such a big deal. We've done three of them, and it's such a, a celebratory thing to have an adoption finalized. When my 11-year-old son was finally adopted after um, like four years, I mean, we had one that took seven years, but this one took four years, and we just threw a party. Huge party, friends and family came over, huge party with the bounce house, we had face paintings, it was a big Spider-Man party. It was exciting. We adopted our child into our family, the finalization And Paul is saying the finalization is coming at the redemption of our bodies. And you may say, well, how do we know it's going to happen? You know it's going to happen because right now you have the first fruits of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit living in you is the reality that you will have a finalization of adoption one day, the redemption of your body. It's going to happen. It's like a, a farmer going out and getting the first fruits of the crop. Well, the Holy Spirit living in you is a guarantee that the finalization is going to happen of your adoption. But right now, you groan. You groan in pain, and you groan with longing. You're groaning as in labor pains. But get this, our focus is not to be on our suffering now. Our focus is to be on the glory later. Ken Hughes says that we don't show pictures of our wives in labor. Guys, if you just popped out your wallet and said, Here, here's a picture of my wife in labor, that would explain a lot of the issues in your life, so don't do that. No, you show a picture of your wife after she had the baby, radiant, holding the baby. So we groan in our suffering now, but we don't want to focus on that. That's not the main thing. We, we want to focus on future glory, the finalization of our adoption, the redemption of our bodies, being with the Lord forever, receiving the inheritance. And that is our hope where we want to focus. And then he finishes up, verses 24 and 25. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he has already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance or patience, we wait eagerly for it. So right now we have hope in the return of Christ. Right now we have hope in the transformation of creation, the redemption of our bodies. But presently, we don't see it, and we wait for it with hope. And no matter what your experience, this is just a blip. We wait for it with hope. This is what it looks like. I think if we're suffering as a Christian... We hope for what we do not see, and we wait for it with patience. If we're, if we're having problems with our relationships or lack of relationships, we, we hope for the Lord, being with him forever, and we wait for it with patience. And I know some of you may be going through a dark time right now. I mean, for those of you who have um, never experienced 
depression. It's hard for you to understand what depression feels like. It's not like just a quick snap out of it, right? It's not like, come on, get, you can get out of this. This is just all in your head. It's something that tends to affect your body and pushes you down. And I know some of you kind of feel that heaviness this morning, and, and you need to know that you, you've not been abandoned. The Lord has not left you. You can have hope in him and, and wait for his deliverance and being with him forever in glory. It's really interesting how pain can just trip us up and make us feel like that God's against us. Have you ever talked to someone, they're so on fire for Jesus, and the next day they act like the sky is falling? I mean, that's, that, that's me. I can be so pumped. Yeah, the Lord loves me. I'm not condemned, and then something wrong happens in my life. I'm like, oh, I feel so insecure and unstable. It's been said, this is not true of every adopted child, but it's been said that those who are adopted kind of feel at times in their life uneasy, insecure, unstable in their family. And they need to be reassured, no, 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 you're, you're part of this family. We love you. You're like, yeah, but this is, no, we love you. You're part of our family. And my brothers and sisters, I know that some of you are going through some stuff right now. And you may think, oh, is God, does he really love me? Does he, is he really for me? Is he condemning me? Did he abandon me? Where is he? I'm going to tell you right now, you can have security and stability in Christ. He loves you. He's for you. He chose you. He adopted you. He's not going to abandon you. And right now, we need to wait patiently. Wait patiently in the hope that we do not see. And wait patiently to see him face to face. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922 0404 guided by God's Meanwhile, will. have a blessed day as you walk along the way.